Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to an emergency episode of Next Man Up slash The Nets Report podcast. If you guys follow me, you know I run a, Nets, a website called The Nets Report. I've covered the Brooklyn Nets for a number of years now, so this is Brooklyn Nets-related content, obviously. James Harden is out in Brooklyn. It, he's out. He's, he's no longer going to be a member of the Brooklyn Nets. The writing was on the wall this whole past week. And Sham Sharania just reported recently that the 76ers will pursue James Harden in a pre-deadline deal and that the Brooklyn Nets are now open and open to making a deal, which means that he's gone. Last week on Tuesday, I think it was, reports surfaced, surfaced that Harden may not be happy. You know, there's a bunch of BS in it. He doesn't like living in Brooklyn, the taxes, but he, and he wants to go to Philadelphia, you know, where the weather and taxes are just so much better. But after that, the writing was on the wall. The next day, this hamstring injury just appears out of nowhere. I mean, he was hurt in the playoffs last year, but this season he hadn't had a hamstring problem. He's got a hamstring problem off the seat all of a sudden. He's out. That was a little suspicious. You know, a lot of people in the Nets Twitterverse called that into question and said, you know, is this just a load management thing? I don't think anybody saw to this level. And then he misses some games with a hand strain. He plays against Phoenix. He doesn't really play that well. Six for 19 shooting. And then he turns in what was one of the most disgusting performances I've ever seen from a quote-unquote superstar in Sacramento on Wednesday night. It was a game that was probably the worst performance of Harden's career since he became James Harden, since he became that level of superstar. And it was a performance that I watch a lot of basketball. I don't think I've ever seen someone play a full game of basketball with less effort than James Harden put forth in that game. And of course, Steve Nash didn't bench him. Nobody called him out. You know, it was what it was. But after that game, I put together a thread on Twitter because I had to go back and watch the film because I was just so baffled at what I saw. And there were at least, at least 10 to 12, maybe even 15 plays that Harden literally looked like he was trying to sabotage the team. You know, there were a lot of people who were joking that Harden had King's money line in that game. That's actually what I thought watching the film because it was that bad. And of course, a day after that, you know, I, I'm, I'm watching these clips and I'm thinking this and I'm, and I'm, it's, it's a perfect storm. And I'm watching these clips. I'm listening to Harden's press conferences. I'm putting the tea leaves together with the reports from Shams and Woj and everybody last week that he's not happy. And then this phony hamstring injury and this performance and all these quotes looking back to what he did when he was in Houston. And I go, this is, this isn't a coincidence. You know, this is too many things happening at once. And it's way too similar to what he did when he was trying to force his way out. And then today we got the alert that he's out tonight with the hamstring, the mystical hamstring injury that just appeared out of nowhere, I guess. And that's when it clicked for me. And I think it clicked for a lot of other people that this guy is going to force his way out of here. He's going to pull what he pulled in Houston less than two seasons later after just one phony playoff run with this team. He is going to quit on this franchise and he is going to force his way out of there. And that's what he's doing. And I have to give all angles of this. You know, a lot of this, this season, it wasn't all Harden's fault. I've been extremely critical of Harden. Fair so, I don't like him as a player. 
And not, I don't, I, he's extremely talented. I don't like the way he plays basketball sometimes. It's very difficult to root for him, in my opinion. And the Kyrie Irving situation and a global pandemic, if you're a Nets fan, you've been waiting. You know, I'm 23 years old. I wasn't, I'm not old enough to have remembered, you know, the glory days of the Nets in the early 2000s when they had their back-to-back title run. And I was not able to appreciate that. You know, I've watched the games over as I got older and I've read about it and stuff, but the Nets finally got to this point after all the misery that Nets fans have endured with the 12 and 70 season, the D will phony era and all of that. They finally get to this point and a global pandemic hits and there's a mandate in this city and Kyrie Irving refuses to get vaccinated. And that's really the turning point of this whole thing. James Harden 1000% absolutely has a right to be mad with what happened with Kyrie Irving. Anybody does, you know, that's not what he signed up for quote unquote. That's what everyone is saying. So he has a right to be mad, but let's not forget that Kyrie Irving is out, but James Harden who regards himself as, you know, probably a top 10, maybe even top five player. If he's delusional thinks that he's that super max all world kind of player. He's playing alongside Kevin Durant this for the majority of the season who is playing out of his mind, having one of the best seasons of his career, surefire top three candidate for MVP until he gets hurt playing unbelievable. That should be enough to win a championship. If you're a James Harden, top 10 type player and Harden underperformed for the vast majority of the season. He sprinkled in a few great performances along the way, but he came into the season out of shape as he always does. Shocker. And he underperformed for the vast majority of the season. So Nets fans and everybody who covers the team has to sit back, watch this guy underperform for the majority of the season, and then listen to this report about how the supporting cast isn't good enough and this isn't what he signed up for. You didn't sign up for playing with one of the best players in the world, probably the best player in the world, a luxury that barely any superstars or a caliber of player that you think you are yourself will ever get to enjoy. That's not what you signed up for. And now we're watching all this transpire. We're watching him force his way out like a total coward. And it's going to go down as one of the biggest what ifs in NBA history is this big three of Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving. Because we saw in the 16 games that these guys played together, it was something unlike we had ever seen in the history of the NBA, an offensive rating that was just blowing anything else that had ever come close off the charts. And we're not going to get it see it to see it transpire which is unfortunate but the way that James Harden has handled this whole situation is just it's gross because he had an opportunity in the face of some adversity to put this team on his back for a short period of time until the Nets could get through the All-Star break get some you know breathing room and get KD back healthy And the Nets could have an opportunity if things break right to go back on a run. But that little bit of adversity, because I tweeted this a half hour ago, the reality of the situation is Harden wanted an easy ring. He wanted to be spoon fed a championship. He hasn't gotten there. He's listened to people talk about this forever, that to get to, you know, the caliber of player that he wants to be looked upon as historically he needs to get a championship or two and his joining Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant was the easiest route to do that and it it was supposed to be easy 
And then the Kyrie Irving situation happens, which, you know, Kyrie is, I can't even get into that right now, but, you know, wrong. Understand you being mad about that, but you have Kevin Durant and things didn't break right. He gets hurt. You know, you're on your own for a little bit. You're not playing well yourself, but that change of events and his realization that this isn't going to be easy like I thought it was. And I'm having to do more things than, you know, I was hoping to. That caused him to quit. And it's really sad because how many players get to cakewalk their way to a championship as easy as Harden had, as easy as Harden wanted to? It doesn't happen for the majority of guys. So a little bit of adversity and the guy's folding and he's quitting on everything that the Nets had tried to build. And you know what? Good riddance to the guy because he's an extremely difficult player to root for. When you have a player who is supposed to be a go-to guy on your team and he doesn't even put forth effort in a lot of these games, it's not a recipe for success. And a lot of people say that James Harden isn't a winning player. That's a little extreme in my opinion. I mean, he has carried teams to conference championships before and or to the conference finals before, and he can win, obviously. But is he a championship-winning player? You know, that jury is still very much out. And the way that he's handled himself this season, it doesn't seem like it. And now he wants to go to Philadelphia and he wants to play with Joel Embiid. And, you know, Joel Embiid is supremely talented on a tear the last week or two, something like we've never seen from a center before. But, you know, is it going to be any easier in Philadelphia? To me, this is just James being upset. He doesn't like Kyrie Irving right now. He doesn't like what's going on. And, you know, he's he's unraveling, you know, with this whole team himself. And I, I, I really just can't believe it. This isn't something that I could have foreseen. I don't think any Nets fans or reporters could have foreseen this early on in the tenure that something like this would happen. And it really took the pandemic and the vaccination mandate in New York City and Kyrie's refusal to, you know, that was the match that set this all off. All right. But now we'll talk about what the potential deal could look like for you know, James Harden going to Philadelphia, because that's what this is. Harden's forcing his way out. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. That's what's happening. So Shams Charania reported that obviously the framework of the deal will be centered around Ben Simmons. And he said, with Philadelphia holding a chest of role players in Seth Curry, Tyrese Maxey, and Matisse Thibel, that could sweeten the package. That's what this is going to come down to. Simmons obviously is a given. But what are the Nets going to get in return? And the Nets should be asking for everything in this scenario. Everything. A trade like this, a trade within the conference, between teams that are you know, contenders, I guess you could, some people could say that Philly or the Nets aren't contenders. They are, though. You know, upper echelon teams in the conference. Trading a player of Harden's magnitude mid-season between teams like that, it's unprecedented. It doesn't happen. And the reason it doesn't happen is because it's stupid. Why would anybody want to send a James Harden to a team within the conference that is a threat to them? It makes no sense. And that's only because obviously there was some tampering going on between Maury and Harden, just as there was between Durant and Harden, whoever last year. And this is Harden forcing his way out. That's the only reason that the Nets would even entertain this idea is because Harden's forcing his way out. Because the logical expectation, which is what the Nets have been operating under for the last week, you know, since these Harden reports came out, 
is we're not going to trade him before the deadline. Why would we do that? An article came out last week from Woj that's an ESPN that said the Nets are going to shun offers for James Harden because that's the smart move. You keep Harden. You hope Kyrie gets full time. You get, you know, Durant healthy. Maybe you make a few smaller deadline moves and you make another run at it in the playoffs because last year, I think we can all agree that if, you know, luck doesn't break the wrong way, if Giannis's foot doesn't slide under Kyrie's ankle, if Harden doesn't hurt his hamstring, a lot of ifs, but if not, the Nets are cakewalking to a championship just like Harden had wanted. But getting another run at that is, you know, that's the logical thing. But to entertain even a deal and not do this deal in the offseason, that's a surefire 100% signal that James Harden is forcing his way out and this situation internally is not salvageable for the Nets. That's what this is. So we were talking about a deal. The starting point for Sean Marks should be Simmons, Tyrese Maxey, Seth Curry, and or Matisse Thibel, not and or, or Simmons, Maxey, and then Curry or Thibel for Harden. That should be the starting point of the deal. Is Philly willing to give all that up? I don't know, but that's what the Nets should be demanding because if they don't want to give it up, you know, keep Harden. And then in the offseason, you're going to have to get off of Ben Simmons and Tobias Harris's contracts if you want to sign Harden outright. If they want to create enough cap space to sign Harden to the Supermax, they need to get off Tobias Harris's contract. They'll have no problem getting off Ben Simmons' contract. If they're just trying to get off of it, they can trade him for, you know, a, not the superstar that Daryl Morey wanted, but that'll end up being Harden in the free agent acquisition. They'll trade him for whoever. Getting off Tobias Harris's terrible contract is the real struggle that I don't know if that's a realistic task for Daryl Morey unless they just include a boatload of picks and maneuver it in a way that would be really impressive. It's been rumored that they've been discussing deals, you know, Simmons for John Collins in Atlanta. They've obviously been talking to Sacramento about the Aaron Fox and other pieces, but it's reported that those talks all broke down when Morey tried to insert Tobias Harris into those deals. And why is Morey doing that? Because he wants to be able to pursue James Harden. But getting ha- getting those teams as soon as they heard Harris's name involved, so no, you know, we're not going to do that. That that makes no sense for us. So the Nets could wait until the offseason and you know call Philly's bluff that you're not getting off that contract. You're not going to have the money to sign James Harden to the Supermax. Harden, I think it's $200 million versus $270 million with the difference in contract based on where he goes and based on whether he can get the Supermax or not. He's not going to leave that much money on the table. It's out of the question. So if they're not able to do get off Tobias Harris's contract, it would be a sign and trade in the summer where the Nets would be able to recruit, you know, what they're trying to get right now at the deadline. Now, the bigger question is, do the Nets want to even go that route and have a guy like Harden who clearly doesn't want to be here, you know, causing the ultimate pinnacle amount of drama as if this team could have any more drama with Kyrie Irving, cause that much drama in a season where the Nets still have title aspirations? Would they rather just get this done now? So if they're going to just get this done now, like I said, it should be Simmons, it should be Maxi, Th- or slash Thibel, Seth Curry. That should be what the Nets are demanding. And, you know, it remains to be seen whether Daryl Morey, you know, how much of a hardball he's going to play, but there's a lot of internal factors. But the bottom line is a return of Simmons, Maxi, Seth Curry. If the Nets can get that, I think you sign off on that deal and you run with it if you're the Nets. It's not a, it's it's an it's a loss in the short term because you're trading away the best player in the deal, which is always a loss in James Harden. 
but I would be happy with that return for Harden. And in the long term, I do not think it's the worst thing because if you've watched James Harden this season, he has not been a top 15 player this year. He just hasn't. It's a fact. You have Harden stands on Twitter that'll try to crucify you for saying that, but they're delusional. It's just a fact. And signing James Harden to a five-year Supermax is really scary, in my opinion. Down the last two, three years of that deal could end up being one of the worst contracts in the NBA because does James Harden come across to you like a guy that's going to do what it takes to stay in shape, to keep up with his body, to be increasing the longevity of his career actively every day. Does he seem like that kind of guy? No. He comes in every season out of shape, and he tries to play his way back into shape. And then he hurts his hamstring. He hurts himself when the jury's out on whether that's related. But he isn't that kind of guy from what he's shown. That's all we can base it off of is what we've seen, and he hasn't been that kind of guy. So do you want to sign him to a five-year, $270 million um, Supermax extension? I don't think so. I wouldn't, honestly. Between him and Kyrie Irving, there's a lot of variables with Kyrie Irving. But Kyrie Irving looks like the guy I would rather sign to a max contract right now than James Harden. And that's putting all of this aside. That's really what I believe. So that brings into question a lot of interesting things with this deal. Because if they trade for Ben Simmons, you know, it opens some possibilities. They, they get Simmons. Let's say they get Curry and or Maxi. Do you flip Ben Simmons to another team with with a star that's disgruntled, to a Donovan Mitchell type, to a, you know, Damian Lillard type? You know, whatever the idea is, the fact is that you have the opportunity to parlay Ben Simmons into something bigger down the line with other pieces that you are acquiring and pieces you might have internally. Or they could want to keep Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons also just got vaccinated. That report broke a day or two ago. So is this all a coincidence or has this been known for a few days that this is the direction that all of this was trending? It's all just very interesting timing. I think it's too many factors to be just a coincidence. But that's what I'm saying. Do you take Ben Simmons, you keep him here along with a shooter and Seth Curry and a young playmaker and defensive stud and Tyrese Maxey and you try to ride that out? If it doesn't work out, you still have opportunities to flip that down the line. You have options moving forward if you're the Nets. That's my point. It also brings into a question a couple of interesting factors with the current roster. If you trade for a Ben Simmons who could either play, you know, a really fast-paced point guard or a small ball center in the Nets lineup, what does that open you up to do with other things? You know, Nick Claxton is a hot name that the Nets have been talking about, and it's been rumored that he's been thrown around in trade discussions. The Nets are going to have to sign him to an extension after this year. And there's the Nets fans know that there's a lot of drama surrounding the luxury tax and how much Josiah is willing to spend. If it's a money move, you know, if you're bringing in Simmons, a guy who can play that center role at a very high level, probably alongside Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, do you move Claxton then? I think the Nets will entertain offers for Claxton because, A, I don't think they want to pay him and pay that extra luxury tax, which is wrong because Joe Sy has more money than anybody. It's crazy. But if they can get value back for him, I think that's a, that's a sidebar move that could come from this. Joe Harris, what do you do with Joe Harris? You know, the ankle injury that just wasn't fixed by the first surgery. So now he needs another surgery, according to his agent, that's going to fix it for good. It's like, all right, well, Mr. Agent wasn't the first surgery 
supposed to fix the ankle. I mean, I don't think we, any of us plan for him to have two surgeries. So it's in question whether he'll not come, whether he'll come back this season. Another thing that's probably has Harden pissed. And do you try to trade Joe Harris to someone and, you know, take back an expiring contract, somebody who wants a shooter like Harris on the hook for two seasons after this year, maybe somebody's interested in that and you can bring back another piece. And that gives you different flexibility moving forward and a different guy that'll actually be on the court this season, another perimeter shooter to, you know, kind of aid you in this playoff run. And those are all just factors that are tangents off of this potential move with a James Harden for Ben Simmons framework of a deal. But I'm sure more details will come out and we'll get into that more. But the bottom line is James Harden is out as a Brooklyn net. He quit on this team. He showed not a lot of heart throughout the year, to be frank, throughout the entire season, even when he was playing alongside the best player in the world and the guy that he really wanted to come and play with. He underperformed. He didn't hustle in the majority of games. He didn't lead by example. He pointed fingers at every turn. He quit in the biggest way you could ever see on Wednesday night. And he'll get his wish and he'll be out of here in good riddance. You know, that's the end of it. So I'm going to come back with more updates on Twitter and I'll probably record another pod really soon just because I have so many emotions and different aspects of this that I need to get out. But yeah, you know, sad day for the Nets because this is all blowing up before it even really got started. But you know, all you can do is live in the now and look forward and see what the Nets can do moving forward. And there's a lot of different options now, given, you know, what all these different tangents that I just spoke of that can go off. So that's it for this emergency James Harden quitter version of the Nets Report podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Slater NR. We'll have more news updates analysis on all this moving forward and and I'll talk to you guys soon.